Hello again. Welcome to Tell Me. On today's episode of Tell Me, I'm talking with Lisa Bilyeu. Lisa is many things, but one of the things, she's the co-founder of the billion-dollar company Quest Nutrition, and she's also co-founder and president of Impact Theory. She is the host of Women of Impact, the show featuring women who have overcome incredible hardship to achieve massive success. Lisa has an incredible Instagram, and that's how I found her, and she's always talking about emotional growth. Lisa's mission is to empower all women to become the heroes of their own lives. We just talked about emotional growth, spiritual growth, work-life balance, nutrition. We had a great conversation. So much fun. You're definitely going to have fun listening to this one. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Lisa. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for doing this. Are you joking? It's a freaking honor. I've been a fan of yours for a long time on social. And this is one of the great things about social media is we get introduced to people that we wouldn't maybe have found. I love your background is amazing. I'm going to talk about it for a minute because people can't see. So if you haven't checked out Lisa Bilyeu's Instagram, please do it because you'll get the visual of her, which I won't do justice, but she is a force. <laughs> so what I'm looking at behind her is all of these female superheroes behind her. She has this amazing display against black marble, Rebel Girls, Unbreakable, Brave. Yeah, these are just all the superhero women doing like these badass moves and being tough and the hats with the words. Because I actually did a photo shoot once and my photographer said, okay, Lisa, you need to figure out who you are and what you represent so that we can do the photo shoot around that. And I was like, but I'm not one person. I'm not one thing is really the truth. Like I don't see myself as just an entrepreneur because I'm also this loving wife and I'm not just a loving wife. I think of myself as a badass and I'm not just a badass, but I think of myself as being brave to approach things that I've always feared approaching. So I actually ended up having all these hats personally made because, you know, people want to put us in buckets. And I feel like us women especially can wear whatever hat we choose to wear. Yes. Or whatever hat we're forced to wear in that particular moment. Mm, <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. Put the hat on and walk around with that until we get the chance or the opportunity or the privilege to change the hat. Right. So true. So you live here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And you came by way of Australia. 
No, I'm actually from England. Oh, you're from England. Okay, sorry, I'm reading the accent wrong. Apologies. Not a problem. When I say, though, like maybe 99.9% of people think I'm Australian. And I think it's because over time, I've slowed my speech down because I noticed that Americans don't understand me. So whenever I go back to England, my husband makes fun of me. And he's always just like, oh, you've turned British within the last three minutes of being with your family. (laughs) So Lisa is an empowerment pusher. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Empowerment pusher and confidence pusher, emotional growth magnifier. Most of the things that you talk about are so positive and so with respect to growth. But you also balance it out beautifully by talking about what we can work on, what we do that we need to change. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has the energy in their life to get up and do that. So I feel like just shouting at women, you're a badass, you're a badass. It's just not a well-rounded approach because for some people to be inspired, it does help them to see the origins of a movement, the origins of an energy shift. I was in this place. This happened to me, and somehow I picked myself up and got to where I am, and I'm on this journey, and the energy continues to propel me forward. And I do feel like that confidence is infectious in that way, and energy is infectious in that way, in the same way that negative energy is infectious and can drag you down. And whatever energy is inside of you, you're going to spit out. So the more positivity that's in our gut, we're going to be better off for sure. Completely agree with you on everything you just said there, because for me, when I even say just like being a badass, to me, there's so much that goes with it. And it's never just one and done. It's never overnight. It's never like you've achieved confidence and then now you're good for the rest of your life. I think that's really important to say. And even in the content I create, there's a difference between the belief that you have and then the acts that you take in order to become that person. And so for me, I want to think of myself as being, I can achieve everything if I really, really put the time and effort into, but it never comes naturally. It never comes by accident. And going to your point very eloquently that you said about negativity is that I found myself when I was younger that I was negative negative because it was a defense mechanism. And if someone would come to me and just say, well, that's not possible. That was a way of soothing myself because if I tried it and failed, I'd feel badly about myself. And when I was younger, I had very low self-esteem. And so that then dictated how I saw myself. And I realized that as I got older, that didn't serve me. It didn't serve who I wanted to be, where I wanted to go in life. And so I realized that the negativity that had become just habitual in your head, and it wasn't even negativity on the outside. It was negativity within myself of like, Lisa, who do you think you are? You can't do that. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. And so I realized I had a choice. I could allow that to be my kryptonite. I love talking in superhero terms. You know, I could allow that to be my kryptonite and really keeping me where I was, or I could take it and make the shift and change the way that I saw it. And so even with the negativity that I still have in my head that I can't switch off no matter what I've done in life, I just go, what if it was your superpower? What would that actually look like? And to me, that looked like spinning it and listening to the negativity. So if it's saying you're no good, okay, what am I no good at? You're no good at being a host. Okay, great. What can I do to get 
better. And so now I was able to use that as a fuel in order to get the confidence just to show up. So I love everything you said. And that's really actually now kind of going to the book is what I take people through. I'm not naturally confident and people think I am. And the truth is I do things despite the fact that I don't have the confidence. And so that's what I like to call the radical confidence is not having the confidence and feeling the fear, but freaking doing it anyway. Okay. Using the negativity as fuel, fucking genius. (laughs) Using the negativity as fuel is something I've never, ever thought of. Like, I do the same thing, by the way. It is a defense mechanism. If this doesn't work, it's okay. And people will say to me, why are you saying if it doesn't work before you've even done it? And I say to them, I'm not being self-deprecating. I am truly just managing my expectations, right? Because I also feel like managing expectations is a healthy thing. When I fail, I don't know about you, but it still stings. It still hurts. It's still like, oh my God, I can't believe I failed. But again, I realized that then you have that choice in those moments to take that to your ego and your ego, you know, tries to hold you back, tries to keep you safe. And so I then in those moments ask myself, and I honestly don't judge myself for asking myself the question. I just say, okay, you failed. The sting hurts. Would you rather keep yourself safe and not embrace this thing in the future, which means you don't try, which is okay? Or would you rather hold to your dream, work towards it, knowing that the sting's going to come often? And so when I am able to say that to myself and step back and just say, okay, your ego does take a place in, are you allowing it to take control? And I almost don't throw shade on myself if I choose to let it take control, because I think that we need to attach and say, what life do we want to live? And so for me, the life I want to live is growth. I pride myself in every day getting better even if I fall on my face. And so if I end up falling on my face, like you said, what did I learn from it? But then there's that other extra piece of how do I not let this deter me to keep going? And that to me was the question I had to ask myself. And the truth was, so when I wrote my book, I'd never written a book before, Ellen. And so when, you know, the literary agent, would you be interested in writing a book? I turned around and the first thing that came to my head, now this is coming from someone who helped build a billion dollar company in five years. I turned around and I said, who the hell would buy a book from me? And my husband stopped me and he's like, are you joking? And I was like, oh, welcome back, this insecure Lisa. And I didn't beat myself up over it. I was like, welcome back. She's still here. Actually, that's okay. She is here to help warn me that maybe I don't know how to write a book. And the truth was, I don't know how to write a book because I've never written a book before. So I then said, okay, the fear is here. I'm not going to let it stop me. So now how do I keep moving forward? And understanding what was the fear. Okay, the fear is if I write a book, what if it does tank? What if it not only tanks, but the only people that buy it are the five people in my family? And I said, would I beat myself up over that? Would I feel bad about myself? Would that really destroy my self-esteem? And so I processed it before I even said yes to writing a book. And I said, okay, Lisa, you know you, what do you pride yourself on? I pride myself on growth. Okay, is writing a book going to help you grow? Yes. Is not writing a book going to help you grow? No. Okay, great. So now what is that vision of writing a book? I really want a New York Times bestseller. I'm not even going to lie about it. Okay, but what happens if you don't get it? Are you going to think about yourself in a different way? The negative voice is still there, Lisa, which I know. So am I now going to start calling myself a loser? Is that going to really affect who I want to show up to be? 
And so I processed that as well. And I said, well, if I gave every ounce of my being, this is my focus, this is my North Star, and I give it that time and I give it that energy and I walk away from it and it still tanks, I can freaking be proud of myself for doing that. I can turn around and say, it didn't get me to where I want to go. So to your point, what did I learn from it? But I'm not in any way, shape or form going to allow it to affect my self-esteem or allow it to affect how I'm going to show up again. When we find people and especially women that have failure or feel insecure about something, that can hold us back from actually living that freaking dream we want to have. And so I'm so aware of going into these situations, not allowing that to be my trap. That's fantastic. And I think to that point, it's not about what the end result is, right? My idea of trying something new or doing something is you cannot focus on what the end result is. Writing the book, okay, if it's a failure, what does that mean? Nobody buys it because the other thing is, and this is a big area of growth for me in this past year, I've now really accepted the idea that I cannot control the outcome and I cannot control how people respond. I can only control how I respond. You talked recently about something on your Instagram too, about this idea that emotional control, you called it emotional sobriety? Emotional sobriety, yeah. Which I loved. And that really resonated with me because we are going to get energy that we don't like and we still can control how we respond. And that also can be a thread with trying something new or doing something we're afraid to do. It's not about what the outcome is. Let's just focus on doing the best job that we can do when we're doing whatever it is we're doing. Let's just try to be mindful and do the best. And we can't control the outcome. And we shouldn't worry about the outcome yet. I tell my kids, if you're looking to the left and looking to the right or looking behind you or too far down the road, you're going to trip. You have to keep your eyes on the road right in front of you and watch your steps and make sure you're taking the right kind of steps so you don't stumble and fall. If you stumble and fall, it's okay. You pick yourself back up. But I think that we do this. We think about the outcome. I can't write a book because it'll be terrible. Mm -hmm. Well, you haven't even written one word yet. What do you mean it's going to be terrible? You've yet to put one piece of paper down. So why do we jump to it's going to be terrible before we've written five pages? I think it's almost because we kind of coach ourselves so that if it happens, it's the safety net where I was like, Mm -hmm. see, I told you. I told you you couldn't write a book. Defense mechanism. A hundred percent. And I'm actually really curious. So when you started your podcast, did you even think about a goal? Because I actually think slightly different to you. So during COVID, I started having these series of Zoom conversations with healthcare workers. I really wanted to do something productive. And I thought... How can I lend my voice? How can I be positive in this moment? How can I show my kids that we can do something uplifting during this time? And I thought the healthcare workers were people who are really, really struggling right before our eyes. Obviously, I have affinity for the healthcare community. I know a lot of doctors, really admire what they do. And I said, I want to start these Zoom conversations with these healthcare professionals and give them a platform. Then that led to the podcast, and I was very nervous about it because I'm quite shy. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I am quite shy. And I thought, same like you said, who wants to hear me have conversations with people? So then other people say, well, that's not true. People definitely want to hear you. And then I instantly say, you think people want to hear me. I don't want to hear myself. 
<laughs> but I can give a platform to other people who need to be heard. The idea for this was born. I am not comfortable talking about myself, my personal stuff. Mm. And I'm very sensitive to judgment. And I'm learning to not be. But it's a process when you have a high profile and so many people have a platform to just sort of say negative things to you. So, of course, yes, I was terrified to do this. People can take things out of context. Of course. I'm walking into trouble is what I thought. That's what I was going to ask you, knowing all of that that you just said. How then do you start a podcast? Because to me, it's going back to kind of the theme of goal, right? Everything you just said are all reasons why you have every right, quote unquote, to not do a podcast, right? You just mentioned all these fears, all these problems, but you still do it. And so that's where I go to. So what's the goal? Because the goal that you have to speak your mind, to bring these subjects to light, right, isn't easy, but you still do it. So when you started it, did you have a goal in mind is in that I still want to impact people? Like, what was that thing? Because I think that's the freaking power right there. It's always better when I think about other people. Mm, <laughs> Again, agreed. I'm always better when I think about other people. And that was my goal, to give my fans something to listen to, try to inspire them and empower them in some way. We're in a different place with COVID now. We're not quarantining anymore. But it was really to give pieces of advice or be able to have them have a window in conversations that I have the privilege to have. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I've also come around to the idea and I'm quite comfortable with is that I have absolutely no control over my life. I always think I do. And my life really unfolds in front of me the way it's meant to. And shit works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But then you also have to be sort of tough on the exterior to deal with the myriad of things that you have to deal with. You know, it's true in life for everybody. A lot of shit rolls off my back. But some things I do take very personally. Yeah, so true. And that's really where the emotional sobriety that you brought up earlier really comes into effect because I definitely take things personally because I was bullied at school. You know, when someone says something negative about me, it really can emotionally derail me. And so over time, again, I started to realize, Lisa, you having these emotional reactions to these things is actually holding you back from your dream. So when we first started Quest, I was shipping bars out of my living room floor. And within two years, I had built up our shipping team to 40 employees where over 50% of them were ex-convicts because we came from the place where we don't care what your background is. Like, who are you today? Who do you want to become? And are you willing to work hard to get there? I was running this, and I'm five foot one British girl, right? So I'm running this big shipping department with these ex-convicts, but they're incredible human beings. And so I started to have to go, okay, well, I can't be in intimidated by them. And so inside my head is like, oh my God, how can you tell these people what to do? They're very physically more dominant than me. And then I was like, okay, I have to manage my own emotions. They're great human beings. I have to step up. I have to show that I'm not a pushover because the insecurity inside me was taking over. Going back to goals, if you have a goal and you're building a business, you have to look at all the things that are going to hold you back from doing that. And for me, it wasn't learning the business side of things, especially with YouTube and Google. You can pretty much search anything these days. It was, how do I get out of my own way? Like literally, how do I get out of my own way to actually go 
go towards the dream that I want. And so this dream when we started Quest was to build the company. So how do I get out of my own way, gain emotional sobriety and see situations for how they really are instead of how you see them in the moment? You're going to get people that you're going to encounter that aren't going to be nice, that aren't going to treat you the way you believe you need to be treated. And in those moments, how do you respond? How do you react? Those moments that can actually push you towards your dream and that goal or actually push you further away. And so for me, the emotional sobriety piece is taking the situation and not making it about you allowed me to take a step back take a breather, see the situation with a clear head and see the situation the way it really is and then respond in a way that you're not going to regret the next day or the following day. I think is so powerful and everything that you just said about having the thick skin to me is 100% about that emotional sobriety piece. Yeah, I mean, you have to have the thick skin to get through most of life. It's okay. But you also have to have good perspective, like you just mentioned. So we haven't really talked about your company, Quest, but what it makes me think of is here you are, you started a company. When you started that company, did you know this was where that company was going to take you? No clue at all. So I was brought up Greek Orthodox. So my entire life, I was told that I would end up being a wife and mother and I would take care of my husband. With every tiny little subliminal message I could possibly have gotten when I was younger, I got it. So I fell on the floor, I had scraped my knee and my grandmother would come running over and be like, it's okay, you're going to be better by the time you're married. Like little things like that, when you really think about it, the messaging is that the end goal is marriage. And that everything else in life is going to be fine once you get married. And I was told that multiple times, time and time again, growing up. So by the time I met my husband and I had big audacious dreams to be in the movie business, I studied filmmaking, I went to college, but yet I slipped into the role of being a stay-at-home wife and supporting my husband. Now, I want to say there's nothing wrong with that at all. It was so hard. It just wasn't the life, Ellen, that I wanted. It wasn't the life I dreamt about. I dreamt about movie making. And yet I found myself in a life where I had spent eight years supporting my husband and doing the cooking and cleaning. How did that happen? The belief system took me into slipping into a life that I accepted and then never having the confidence or the self-belief that I could ask for more. Because I had a loving husband, because I had a roof over my head, I never thought I could ask for more. So my husband was trying to be an entrepreneur. We were going to make our own movies. So we thought, oh, this is going to be a great path. We got stuck there for eight years. And finally, I was like, you are not happy. We need to do something new. You know, the final moment where you're like, all your life, you think that when I get the finances, when I get the money, when this happens, when that happens, then I'm going to finally be happy. And I started to realize the when may never come. And now I need to stop living for the when and start living for the now. And the now is, what are we going to do? What life do we want? And are we actually making the moves to get there? And that was when him and his business partners came up with the idea of Quest, a protein bar. So me being the traditional wife was like, oh, babe, of course I'll support you. How can I help? Now that how can I help was, if you don't mind shipping bars from your living room floor, we grew at 57,000%. So we literally went from zero to two years, I was shipping out $80 million worth of inventory. I didn't know how to be a boss. I went from looking after my two puppies to overseeing 40 employees and 10,000 square foot of facility space. And so I was thrust into it. And all along the way, for the first year, 
I went in just saying, I need to save my house because we put our house up as collateral. So for the first year, it was purely fear. Make my husband proud and save my house. Now in that process, Ellen, what I realized is what I could do. Me, Lisa, could actually accomplish. And I started to stop living for other people, stop living to save the house, stop living to be a wonderful wife, and started to live for me. What gets me out of bed? What brings joy to my life? And that started the path of me saying, what life do I actually want? And that took me from thinking I was going to be a stay-at-home wife with four children to turning to my husband and saying, I love entrepreneurship. I love the challenges. I love realizing that yesterday I couldn't do this. And today I faced myself. I faced my inadequacies. I did it with my eyes wide open. I went in, I started to train myself. That was just so eye-opening to me that I could say what I wanted to achieve, take the steps in doing it, fall on my face and get back up and end up getting there. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is the life that I want. This is the life that I could be thrilled to live on a daily basis. And that life started to realize that was changing people's lives. So Quest was almost just the catalyst and the protein bar itself didn't just stop at losing weight. We were changing people's lives where we had the anorexic community coming out and saying, you've saved my life. I was in hospital. I saw food as the enemy. And because of Quest, you made me love food again. You made me accept myself again. I had a mother that wrote in in the early days who said she had a type 1 diabetic son. And every time he would go to birthday parties, she would have to monitor him, take the cakes out of his hand, you know, a two-year-old just grabbing food. And she kept having to take it away. And she wrote us a letter and said, my son can eat Quest bars. You've made me feel like a better mother. So now my desire of saving my house to now I found a purpose. I found a mission. I could get up every single freaking day and face myself, face the fears that we talk about, face all these things that I'm not good at and just say, are you going to let this get in the way? Which is fine if you do, but are you going to let this get in the way of you serving these people who need help? And I said, no, I'm not okay with letting my fear and my own insecurity get in the way of this impact I can create. So that's kind of my own journey. And then Quest, as it grew, it was everything. It was timing. It was mindset. It was the belief that we had. It was our marketing. Facebook was just becoming a great marketing tool. We weren't even talking about ourselves. Like, don't tell me how much you love the Quest Bar. Tell me about your journey. And it became this piece where people were now telling the stories. And I know that was a really long answer, but that was really how I went from where I was to where I am today. Because everything I do, even writing my book, I have a North Star, Ellen. My North Star is very freaking clear. To help a 14-year-old not have a negative mindset so that she doesn't spend the next 20 years like I did unwiring it. That's my stated mission. So you want to know why I show up every single day with all the hardships, with all the problems that come with life, with all the things that get thrown. You said it multiple times. You can't control the outside. You can't control what's coming. You can't control how other people can react. But by golly, girl, I can freaking control how I show up every day and what that North Star is. And every single day, even if I fail, I say to myself, did I do what I could today to walk towards that freaking mission that I have? have? Yes or no? If it's a no, then I can look at myself and say, you didn't show up, Lisa. 
And I have every right to light a fire under my ass, tell myself, what the hell? You said that you wanted this. Get your ass up and do it. But if I show up every single day and I still don't achieve what I need to, I can still be proud of myself. And so I kind of derailed from the quest question, but that's kind of how I see things and how I went from where I am to how I think of things now. And how you started the conversation. The beginning of that journey that we were just on with you was that you were stuck. You were stuck in the mud. If your feet are stuck, you're going to do everything you can to pull your feet out of that mud. Mm -hmm. And that's what you did. So had you not felt stuck, you wouldn't have had that fight or flight reaction to say, I got to get out of here. This can't be where I am tomorrow. That is so important because it does take something or several moments or weeks or months of years of a moment to finally say to yourself, I have to get out of this situation. So that's a super valid thing that I don't want to gloss over. I want to make sure everyone hears that because I think that's really important. The thing that I actually live in fear is what if Quest hadn't happened and my house was up for collateral? Like I really think about that. Would I have stayed in that situation? And there's different types of stuck and I called the stuck that I was in the purgatory of the mundane. You know, you hear many stories where people hit the rock bottom that jolts them awake, that makes them take action. But what about so many of us, Ellen, that don't feel like we've got the audacity to dream large because we think, well, I have food on the table, you know, maybe a loving partner or maybe not, but I'm very happy in certain parts of my life. And so I think that we've become very complacent with things like that in not wanting to ask for more, not wanting to say, well, hang on a minute. Yes, I may have food on the table, but I still want that. I still want that life. And so I stayed in this place where I didn't think I deserved to ask for more because I had other parts of my life that I loved. And I think that that's really the key is that even if there are parts of your life that you love, you still have every single freaking right to ask in other parts of your life that aren't satisfying, where you feel stuck, where you feel like you're in the purgatory to ask for more. Absolutely, you do. And I think it also bears mentioning and is worth mentioning, not everybody wants more. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Not everybody wants more. Some people are completely content with where they are. And to the people who do want more, understand that there are people who don't want more. They're completely happy. That's okay. We should not judge them for that. And they should not judge us for never settling and always wanting more and wanting to completely challenge ourselves. There are two different types of people. But I know for myself, when I was growing up, I heard a lot of, oh, well, you want to move away and be an actress because you think you're better than everybody here. And I don't understand that comment. I haven't said anything about anybody else. I haven't said one time that I think I'm better than other people. Where does that come from? I want something different maybe than you want. But what I want for myself makes you feel some type of way about yourself. What you want is what you want. And what I want is not a commentary on what you want. We're both allowed to want what we want and stop projecting my wants as an insult to you. Thank you so much for saying that because even when I say want more, I just mean there are so many people where now if I interview someone, I was like, what is the advice if people want to change the world? And I'm like, well, let's just stop assuming that everyone wants to change the world. Why are we saying that that equates greatness? To me, it's what life do you want and are you living it? So even when I say want more, it doesn't even matter what that looks like. 
Are you living the life and that dream that you want? Forget about everyone else. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is something I feel very strongly about. I speak very openly about how I went from being a housewife to where I am now. But I never, ever want people to assume that that is a journey that other people should take. I think it is important to recognize that whatever journey you want to be on, that's the one you should be focusing on. The struggle I went through is to talk about how I went from that and deciding I didn't want children and deciding I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But to me, the importance is, are you moving towards that life that fills you up? And I worry, Ellen, I'm really serious. I really worry that conversations now are becoming, if you don't do business as a woman, that now it's the opposite, right? When I decided I didn't want children, I was judged for it. And I fear the conversation is now flipping that if you don't want to be in business, that you're judged for it. And to me, I'm just like, we need to freaking stop the judgment. We need to stop assuming that women or people want a life that we want. And to me, the whole message is, how do you act and show up to have that dream life that you want, that you deserve, that you desire, whatever that looks like. And we need to stop judging women, stop judging each other on whatever path that person chooses. We need to be supporting each other. Whether you want to be a stay-at-home mother, teach your kids, go to school, be a student, be a business owner, I honestly don't care. But we need to stop judging each other and assuming that each other want what we do. I love that you said that. Also, I think it's worth mentioning that, again, on social media, being an entrepreneur and starting a business only looks amazing. Oh, God, yeah. No one is talking about how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. Everybody sees everything on social media as this is the way to do. Quit your job, start your own business. You might start your own business, and it's a lot of work. There's a lot of great days, a lot of wins, but it's not all, and most people we know by now don't show those to the public, but it's not like being an entrepreneur is super fun every single day and super empowering every single day. There's so many problems. So many times you get knocked down. It's so hard Mm. and no one talks about it. It's only glamorized. Like, oh yeah, everyone should just quit their job and start their own business if it were only that easy. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why when I started and I decided I was going to step in front of the camera and, you know, talk publicly about just my experience, it was very important to me that my message very much heavily includes my health issues and what Building Quest did to my health. I spent five years thinking the same as what you just said, where it's like owning your own business, grind, don't worry about sleep, grit and get to it. And I really did. And for five years, I totally ignored my self-care. I love drawing. I stopped doing that. And I literally lived and breathed Quest and the company. And what ended up happening was the dream comes true. Quest becomes a billion dollar company. We get the house we'd always dreamed about. And on the day of the celebration, I took a swig of Dom Perignon. And to that day, I have never been the same. I'd had gut issues, a lot of gut issues. But that day, I just pushed myself too much. And it was an accumulation of poor self-care for five, 10 years. And it took its toll. And on that day that everyone thinks the dream comes true was literally the worst day of my life. 
And so the truth is, is that success and money really doesn't matter when you don't have your health. Like, honestly, it doesn't matter. And in that moment, I can honestly say now it was the best thing that ever happened to me, even though to this day, Ellen, this was over six years ago, I'm still suffering. I still can't eat out without calling and asking what ingredients they have because I will be in gastro hell. Like I had to have like these electrodes on my gut because no one could figure out what was wrong with me. And so it's been very, very hard. And so for me, it's been important for me to talk about not just the great things, but the things you don't see, the things that people think are amazing. And I have literally been suffering for the last six years. So now what do I do? I make sure that I take time for me. No matter how busy I am, I switch my phone off on Friday night and I don't switch it back on until Monday morning. I don't look at Instagram. I don't go on YouTube. I have peace of mind because now I've recognized the realities of what running a business does to you and what it can do to your body, especially being a female. I haven't had a period in years. Oh, it's fine. Doesn't matter. Just keep going. And the self-neglect that I did to myself no one talks about that. And so I find it very important to talk about the realities of it, but then also the realities of being a woman and doing it because I totally messed up my hormones. I'm still trying to get my hormones back on track. Why? Because I wasn't putting sleep first. I wasn't thinking about the self-care. And so, yeah, I love that you said that about being entrepreneurs because it all becomes what price are you willing to pay? And if I had known I don't know if I would have pushed as hard. And that's the truth. And so it's important, I think, to talk about the other side of it. Yeah, I mean, self-care and wellness, it's all about balance. We have to have balance in our lives and everything. Life can't constantly be a grind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think if COVID has taught us anything, it really should be that we do all need to make our wellness a priority. The healthcare system is certainly broke in this country. So you certainly don't want to get to a place where you're in need of medical care. Healthcare and the hospitals and the pharmaceutical lobby, no one makes money from well people. Hopefully people start to prioritize their wellness. You know what I recently started doing that I love? Have you done cryo? No, I haven't. Honestly, I've been dying to do it. I've done like cold plunges and I do all that kind of crazy biohacking stuff, but I've never done cryo. I just started doing it. Okay, so this is, I think, what our date should be. I definitely want to do your show. We should do a cryo date. It'll be so sexy. Let's freeze together. I would love to. Oh my God, hell yeah. So you've done it before then? I have, yeah. I've done it three times now. Oh, wow. They have beginner, intermediate, and professional. I have no desire to do intermediate or professional. I'm quite fine with beginner. It's a three-minute program that you do. So the first time I lasted a minute and a half. The second time I lasted two and a half minutes. And then the third time I just did it, I lasted the full three. It's 156 below zero. Oh, my God. (laughs) Basically, you stand in a refrigerator. And I'm quite pleased with myself. I don't know what professional level it is, like (laughs) probably 180 below or something. How did you feel after then? Did it impact you from like clarity of mind? Like, did you find any benefits there? I personally do feel much clearer and I have a lot of energy when I do it. Now, of the three times, one of the times I did a sauna after, which was really nice But then I was more relaxed after. The two times that I just did the cryo and didn't do anything after, I felt very clear and very energetic. 
Hell yeah. I'm so <laughs> excited. How much do you do things like that? Because I am so obsessed because of my health and because of my gut. I need to know me. I've ignored my body for over 10 to 15 years because I've been focused on so many other things and thought my body was the last thing that needed attention. I just need to spend time with me. And so I got an aura ring to track my sleep. I did one of those glucose monitors to check my blood sugar levels because I was waking up in the middle of the night always tired. And when you need to show up with utter clarity, it was really affecting my business and then just how I felt about myself. And so I was like, why am I always tired? Taking ownership. Okay, Lisa, listen to your body. Start to do the things that you want to do that you can start to identify what your body's signals are telling you. And so I started to wear an aura ring and a glucose monitor. And I realized that I would have these moments in the middle of the night where I'd wake up, then notice my blood would drastically drop. So the moments that my blood sugar while I was sleeping would drop were the moments that I would wake up. So I was like, okay, now I'm starting to get used to my body. Maybe I need to have more carbs in my body because I'm having these dips in the middle of the night. Then I went to cold showers. I started to do the cold showers for like 30 seconds. And I started to realize I've got utter clarity in the mornings now when I do a cold shower first. But then I pushed myself, went all the way to 10 minutes cold shower and realized I was now pushing myself too much. And I went from clarity to exhaustion. And so that's when I then stopped. But I love like what you're saying with the cryo. Like I'm so a fan of what are the things that my body is looking for? What does it need? Does it need nutrients? Am I tired? Does that mean I'm not getting sleep? And then what can I do and help myself in order to get better at this thing. So if it's clarity, I start reading books on the brain. Things like that, I just am obsessed with. Yeah, I try to do something definitely once a week. We just need to because on the grind, what happens is your cortisol levels crazy spike when you're constantly in fight or flight or you're constantly in crisis mode. Your cortisol and all your glands in your body are going to just spit out things that cause inflammation. You should read about cryo and digestive issues. Apparently, it's helpful because it reduces inflammation. I do believe that cryo is kind of easier than a cold plunge because it's dry cold. Because I've done cold plunges too and cold showers. And there's something about the cold plunge that's really cold. <laughs> and then the cryo is just pain. The cryo is almost just like freezer burn. You're not uncomfortable. You're just like, okay, my skin hurts. Oh, interesting. It's not like standing outside in the cold when it's 35 degrees and long and slow and uncomfortable. It's kind of quick and painful. <laughs> you know Sounds I mean? wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> You've convinced me. <laughs> Well, even with the plunge, I really was doing showers first. And so my husband's like, all right, babe, you know, if you start on hot and you edge on, make it cooler. And I was like, screw that. Just like throw me in the deep end. So literally I stood under the shower, turned it all the way to cold and then just turned it on. And I, you know, scream and then I start giggling. <laughs> and so then the next time I was like, okay, because I'm all about how do I show up even when I'm petrified? And so I was like, what do I know about myself? I get energized with music. And so my go-to song is, always Survivor by Destiny's Child. Mm -hmm. So literally here I am like in the shower. I was like, all right, you're a survivor. And like put the water <laughs> on and start screaming out loud. Then it becomes like a fun experience for me, right? So I'm always trying to say, what are the benefits that I can do in my life that can help me get better, stronger, grow? And then what are the ways that I can enjoy it? You got to freaking enjoy your life. And a cold shower is not fun. So I started to make this game out of it. And then one time to your point, it was raining. And as you know, it doesn't rain often in LA. And it was like one of those torrential rains and the crazy winds. 
And I was about to get in the shower and I was like, all right, Lisa, now's your time to level up. Go outside. So of course I put my shower cap on because I didn't want to ruin my hair. <laughs> and I literally go outside in my bikini and I was like, bring it on LA. And it was one of those moments that because I made it a fun act, it became fun. Yeah, you found the joy in it for sure. Yeah. Two things this conversation has really dialed in for me. Purpose and joy. Yeah. If we find our purpose and our joy and we appreciate that we're here, the sun comes up every day, we're healthy, joy and purpose. Lisa Bilyeu, this has been so fun. Oh my God. I've had so much fun. Thank you, girl, for having me. And I'm now definitely going to hit you up about that cryo date. Thank you so much, okay, sweetie. Good I'll see you soon. Mwah, bye. 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 